Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham, and I'm grateful for our time together. Thank you so much for listening. The last couple of episodes, I've had with me Ryan Cummings, and we have been having a conversation about the challenges that we face in our modern culture and making sure that, first, we ourselves are transformed and renewed in our minds by God and His Word so that we are not taken into the idolatry of the modern age, but then also how we might be able to point out and talk with those who are caught up in the idolatry of the modern age and be able to point them toward Christ. And so I want to pick up with that discussion. Welcome back, Ryan. We're glad to have you. Thanks again for having me, John. Thank you. Thank you. We were talking about the challenges in the first episode particularly, and uh, and then we were getting into some of the solutions by looking at some Old Testament examples. And so if you can recap for me just for a moment... Um, what the first thought process was of Elijah in his example for us. Sure. So recognizing where our conversation is fitting in, uh, th- throughout this series and this uh, show, John, you've been talking about how it's rational to search for God. And I'm arguing, yes, it is. And we first have to recognize what are the larger cultural context that are shaping and framing how people view God. Right. And I argue that, in one word, we live in a postmodern culture where it says, create your own meaning because there's no truth. It's easy to talk about the problem all day long, but we have to give solutions. And I think Elijah gives us that solution. Elijah took on the false prophets of his day, and he showed the gods as powerless next to the Lord. Isaiah did the same thing. Isaiah took on the idols of his age, and he showed that the idols of his age were powerless next to the Lord. What we then have to do is show that the gods of this age and everything that they offer are powerless next to the gospel call. That's great. That's great. And so this uh, this time that we have together, what we really need to do is get practical. Sure. And so I'm going to toss it to you. How do we demonstrate that our God and his message do have that power? And And so what does the good life look like when we have the good life in Jesus. Let's have that contrast. Go ahead and and start telling me what the practical application of this thought is. So every summer I work with a summer camp. Um, I went to Florida College for my undergraduate, and we have summer camps every year. And I have the blessing of working with about 250-ish young people every summer. Right. Every year going into that week, I have to remember I am shaping a generation below me to think and to live and to love God. Right. But I know that they are going to encounter more cultural challenges than even I did, and I'm 29. Mm -hmm. How can I show these young people that the good life is in Jesus? And I've come to realize (laughs) that, much like 1 Corinthians 1, the power of that is probably not where we think it is. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Zechariah 4, Zechariah, um, he's a post-captivity prophet, and he promises in verse 7, not by power nor by might, but by spirit. What Zechariah is promising there is that God's power is not going to come in the might of man, 
but it's going to come in the humility of God's Spirit. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 is the same thing, right? That's exactly right. Paul ends up making that contrast of the wisdom of the world, and I didn't come with powerful speech and all this kind of stuff that the world would recognize as great value. He simply came in the Spirit of God with the message of the cross of Christ. That's it. And I think that Zechariah 4 passage is shaping so much of what Paul says in those first two chapters. Mm -hmm. Well, if the real power of God is found in a crucified Messiah— Probably where we find the power of God today is not going to be where we'd most expect. I think where we actually see the power of God at work is in his new creation of people who died to sin and lived a spirit. Right. That is where we see most clearly the power of God at work is in the lives of believers who have killed sin and live for righteousness. This is where we have to demonstrate and even see God's power at work. Right. And out of that, as we grow and develop and mature in Christ, um, there is going to be a noticeable distinction of the peace that can come from that. Yes. And the joy that can come from that, that... I'm convicting myself sometimes that I need to be having more of that peace of mind. Yes. I need to be not trying to put it on display, but it's just going to be a part of my life so that others in the world who don't have that peace or don't have that inner joy would notice a difference. That's it. That's it. You know, Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4. Many say Romans is Paul's most profound book. Yes, it is a profound book. I love the book of Romans immensely. I think Ephesians is equally profound. Yes. Because what Paul is doing in Ephesians is explaining his insight into the mystery of the gospel. He says this in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Sometimes Ephesians 1 through 3 is said to be the exposition of that message, and then 4 through 6 is the living in that message. Right. As you get to chapter 4, down into verse 21, notice what he says. Assuming that you heard about him, that is Jesus, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Notice what he says. The Ephesian brethren put off, they put away, they got rid of that former manner of life, that fleshly, carnal, sinful life they got rid of. But now notice verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This verse is fascinating to me. You think of the God that we serve. We serve a God whose power has been demonstrated in creation. I mean, we have as advanced of scientific instruments as any time in human history. Right. We still don't understand the, the natural world around us. We can't even begin to fathom the number of stars that there are. We can't begin to understand what a quanta or quantum is. I mean, we, we can't even begin to understand how any of this really works. I mean, yes, human insight into the natural world is as advanced as it's ever been. But still, we serve a God whose power has been demonstrated in creation. That's right. That's right. This God whose power has been known in creation, how has he now made it clear again today? By recreating people 
after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It's interesting back in Ephesians 3 and verse 10, Paul says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Understand what this verse is saying, that the God who through wisdom made the world, Proverbs 8, and Ephesians 1 says the same thing, the God who through wisdom made the world has demonstrated his wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly in, in the heavenly places. Now, we don't know with precision exactly who this is, but there are beings in the spiritual realm who have seen God's power not through physical creation, right. but through spiritual creation. That's how we have to demonstrate God's power. We are that spiritual creation. Exactly. Right. By God renewing us and remaking us, not after the pattern of Adam and sin, Romans 5, but being made according to the righteousness and the holiness of the new Adam of Jesus, that's how we see God's power. And so um, this comes back to the idea that we were talking about previously, where postmodernism is the exact opposite, where... We are creating, you know, the people of the postmodern age are creating their own reality. Mm -hmm. They are creating their own definitions. But what God says is the true spiritual creation comes when we humbly submit to his creative power. Yes. And so that's, that's the battle that we have. Are we going to create ourselves? Or are we going to submit to the creation of God? That's it, right? So, I mean, here's two stories. On the one hand, postmodernism tells us you are creator, create whatever meaning, create whatever purpose, create whatever happiness that you find in your situation of life. The gospel says, no, my wisdom has gotten me in some pretty bad places. I need to stop trusting my own wisdom. I need to trust in the creator of heaven and earth to recreate me in righteousness and holiness. And it's not that I'm so high and mighty. It's not that I'm so great. It's that, no, I've gotten myself in some pretty bad situations. So I'm going to trust in the God who is that powerful. That's right. That's how we see God's power at work today. Who's able to pull us out of the depths of the problems we created for ourselves. It is. You know, I mean, quite quite practically, this is how I see it at work. Um, About two years ago, I baptized a young man who came out of the world, Mm -hmm. came out of the world in every sense of the term. Right. He is going to present his first gospel message in about a month. That is wonderful. When I think in two years what God has done in his life and the things that he has overcome, I know there's a God. Right. Because he has overcome things that he could not have overcome by himself. Right. But he is doing this by God's power. That's right. What would the world have said? The world would have said, and this is exactly what his friends told him, you're doing things that make you happy. You're doing things that give you purpose. Continue them. Create your own meaning. Create your own purpose. But he realized that was taking him to a point of despair. Right. He needed the creator of heaven and earth to remake him after the image of God in righteousness and holiness. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And and that's so encouraging to see. And it's also... uh, The world does notice that. Yes. They may not like it. Yes. But they do notice it. And so it's one of those things that um, uh, 
where uh, remind me of the passage. I'm, I'm I know the context, but I'm I'm not ahead, remembering the reference. Um, where it talks about you used to run with these people, and now they say, "Why don't you do the things First Peter. that yes. we used to do?" And, yes, and yeah, First Peter. That's exactly right. And so the world notices that big shift. Yes. They don't like that big shift a lot of times, mm-hmm. but that shift is a testimony of the creative power of God. That's it. And they will either come to recognize that and see the good in that of the life that is so much more blessed even in this life. Yes. Or they'll reject it now, but in the judgment they will acknowledge. Yes. That it was true and good and right. Yes. As I as I'd mentioned on a previous episode, I'm a father of three young kids. I have mm-hmm. a two and a half year old daughter and twin six month old boys. It weighs heavily on my heart every day. How can I show my children God's power? Right. Because I know there's going to come a time in their life where they will be tempted by the world's power and everything that postmodernism offers them. And, and what I have learned from Elijah, what I have learned from Isaiah, what I have learned from Paul, and what I've learned from Jesus himself is that God's power is demonstrated not in my own creative ability. Right. But it's evident whenever I submit to God's power and he recreates me. What I want my children to see is the world offers you creative power to do whatever you want. But true meaning, true purpose, true righteousness, true holiness, true goodness, true meaning, whatever you want to call it, it is only found in our creator God. Absolutely. That's where we find the power of God at work. That's right. That's right. Well, let me pause here for a moment to say I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me with your comments or questions. My email address is seeksearch, all one word, seeksearch at yahoo.com. Also, if you are on Facebook, look up seeksearch as two words and like the page. I look forward to connecting with you in these ways. At the same time, you may want to reach out to Ryan and and Ryan Cummings. uh, If you can just give some contact information for you, that would be great as well. Sure. I would love to hear from anyone listening about insights or examples or questions that you may have about this. Um, I'm an evangelist with the Manslick Road Church of Christ in the Oklahoma area. It's right off the intersection of the Gene Snyder, the Preston Highway exits. Um, You can go online to manslickchurchofchrist.com and find all my contact information and reach out to me there. That's great. That's great. Okay, well, thank you for that pause. Let's dive right back in. We are talking about seeing God's power, his creative power, and we're trying to make it practical. So let's get back to some of those practical applications, which is, as a Christian, as a minister of the gospel, how do you show the power of God to people who want to be their own creator rather than looking to the true creator? Great question, John. You know, it's like when I think back to Elijah, it's intimidating. Elijah is able to call down fire from heaven for his cause. Right. Isaiah has God's spirit at work in him and is able to tell him the oracles that he needs to preach. Paul's the same, right? right. Paul sees the resurrected Lord. How in the world do I show God's power? Right. Um, 
let me use just an introduction to this, and then I'll get quite practical. It's interesting to me in Revelation 11, you have an example of two witnesses, which I see as symbolic of the church. And as they speak, they speak fire from heaven as they live out the word of God and testimony of Jesus. The power that those two witnesses live by are the power of God in the word of God. Right. All that we have to do is demonstrate is that the Word of God, maintained for us in Scripture, revealed fully in Jesus, has the power to recreate each of us in righteousness and holiness. Right. So what does that look like? So what does that look like, right? Right. So what we have to do is we have to show the power of God is at work in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Let's use a couple of examples here. Elijah was able to demonstrate his God was able to give fire from heaven. Baal couldn't even give one little match down from heaven. Right. We have to demonstrate our God has the power. Our God has the power. He gives the meaning. Let's use marriage as an example. Paul begins the discussion about marriage over in Ephesians 5, and these verses are very non-Orthodox for our culture. <laughs> but he says, "Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as the Christ is the head of the church, his own body, and he himself is its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Here's what our culture tells us. Our culture says, create your own kind of marriage in whatever way that you want, with however many people you want, in whatever situation you want. But here's the problem. Marriage ends up becoming about you. Right. The gospel says... No, 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 no. <laughs> husbands, it's not about you. It's about your wives. Yes. It says, wives, it's not about you. It's about your husbands. The serving mentality, the humble mentality. That's it. Whenever I am recreated by the Creator in righteousness and holiness, I will have a marriage that thinks not about myself, but about my wife. Right. God's power is then going to be at work in that marriage. Mm-hmm. We have to demonstrate we are not against all of the other forms of marriage by, by default, but it's because we firmly believe that God's power is at work in this plan. Right. We firmly believe that the meaningful life is found in this way. That's how God's power is seen, is when the Creator recreates people who once lived for self but now lives for other out of love, that's how I see God's power at work. And now when I visit a couple, we have a couple at church who's been married almost 70 years. They'll be married 70 years this summer. Wow. You visit them and they're holding hands. <laughs> and she's waiting on him and he's waiting on her. That's God's power at work. Right. It's so simple that you perhaps would even miss it. But you contrast that to a marriage of the world that is in constant turmoil and conflict and battle because they're living for their own selves. Right. I see God's power at work. That's right. And And so we may not find God's power in the places we expect to find it, much as Zechariah didn't. But we see God's power at work in new creation whenever each of us are living by righteousness and holiness. Right. And just that that simple example is a is a statement that needs to be recognized. And, you know, people are impressed by wow, fifty years, sixty years, seventy years. Well, why is that? And it's because it's founded on the biblical principles. Exactly. It's not because I'm so great. It's because God's so great. That's right. And and I think what, John, we have to do, especially for my millennial generation and the generation below, is in every domain of Christian ethics, 
demonstrate how the power of God is at work. Right. I mean, let's just use one that Paul had used immediately after his discussion of new creation. He says in Ephesians 4.24, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness, therefore... Having put away falsehood, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. I'm a communication major by profession, so speech is very important to me. It's something I'm very passionate about. Right. There is no philosophy. There is no theory. There is no paper that is going to give as meaningful guidance and as powerful guidance about real speech as the gospel. Hmm. Because here's what it says. It says, you speak out of humility you speak out of kindness, you speak out of truth, you speak out of love. Your words then have power. You contrast that with someone who is continually for their own purposes, lying and manipulating and deceiving and hateful, etc. Their words have no power. The most powerful words come from someone who speaks out of truth and love. You contrast that with what the world teaches. If I'm my own creator, if I can speak however I wanna speak, my words lose their power. Even in something as simple as everyday speech, God's word has the power. This world has nothing to offer. Yes, and that, that reminds me of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, where the instruction to young Timothy, picking up with verse 22 and following through the end of the chapter, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Yes faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, yes. have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Yes. That that just is the whole point of how we need to be trained in this servant mentality, in this humble mentality, gentleness mentality, to try to reach Absolutely. others. And, and if I could take that verse even from a somewhat different perspective as we try to close things out here, we began our conversation a few episodes ago by talking about how, especially with gender norms, mm-hmm. there are a lot of barriers that my generation faces when it comes to the gospel. Well, what new creation in the resurrection of Jesus shows us is that there's a new way of being male and a new way of being female. Mm-hmm. Not as the world standards, but as God's standards. Right. It empowers men to not be hateful and violent, but to be gentle and loving and bold. Right. It empowers women. You don't have to be the doormat, but you are a vehicle of God's message. Right. Living out a life of meekness and holiness. Right. We have to show that God's way of being male and God's way of being female is the way of power of the gospel. Then what does this world have to offer us? What we have to do, John, is much like Elijah, much like Isaiah, much like Zechariah, much like Paul, much like Jesus, demonstrate in every domain of Christian behavior, God's power and new creation is the meaningful life. This world offers me absolutely nothing. That's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, 
Thank you very much, Ryan. I really appreciate the time that you've given in being able to share these ideas. And um, it is what we have to have and what we need to be thinking about in the culture that we live in today. And so very valuable uh, thoughts from Old Testament, thoughts from New Testament, giving us the charge of how we engage the culture and how we appeal to the culture to turn back toward God. And so really appreciate all these thoughts that you've given. Do you have any last thought that you'd like to uh, uh, throw in before we're done for today? Well, in the spirit of the discussion, I have nothing very powerful to offer, <laughs> but God does. First Corinthians, First Chronicles, rather, First Chronicles 28, 9, David tells his son, As for you, David, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you cast him off, he will forsake you forever. Each of us have to be very diligent and attentive to seeking and to serving our God. Very good. Thank you so much for that. Well, that does wrap up our time for today. May we seek God and seek his things and seek his ways by searching the scriptures. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it's been a blessing for you. You have been listening to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham. You can contact me by emailing seeksearch at yahoo.com. On Facebook, get connected by liking the Seek Search page. I hope you'll join me each Saturday at noon for the next edition of Seek Search. <laughs>